0: Well, it's game week as we have week zero coming up. Well, our week one now as everyone's calling it. But we're still 12 days, 56 minutes, and 35 seconds from the Sooners opener. But who's really counting down. Let's learn about Arkansas State, shall we? I'm, I'm pretty excited to get hooked uh, up with Chris Hutchinson who joins us. He covers basically all things when it comes to the state of Arkansas and has been all over Arkansas State for what is uh a sports director big time what's up chris thanks for hanging out with us i appreciate you coming on man
1: oh no problem good to have good to be on and 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 kind of spread some light on the the scarlet and black i know it's kind of an unknown opponent to a few people but mm-hmm. a bizarre history to say the least of like hey remember that guy who's at that school now <laughs> yeah he probably came through arkansas state at one point <laughs> or another
0: k a i t is the tv station that uh, chris works with yeah So kind of give me a little bit of perspective on what you've seen so far because, like you mentioned, Butch Jones, there's a guy that we're familiar with and we've seen, but uh, he's back at it this year. Not a ton of expectations, but so far from what you've seen, what's kind of caught your eye about the Sun Belt challenge that the Red Wolves could bring to Norman in two weeks?
1: It's um, a much improved defense over the last couple seasons. This is Butch Jones' third season in charge with Arkansas State, and to be quite honest, it's just been kind of a a rebuild from the studs, to say the least. And so you had a really young defense that really took their lumps in 2021, and so you have all that experience back of of, of a whole lot of guys like, you know, Justin Parks, who played a whole lot of snaps, and now it's essentially year three with this scheme under defensive coordinator Rob Harley, and they've had a lot of success so far in fall camp, you know, getting to the quarterback quarterback, forcing turnovers, forcing three and outs. So the defense is much improved. The big question mark is on offense, and like like a lot of other schools around the country, the biggest question mark for Arkansas State is who's going to be the starting quarterback. It's either going to be Colorado transfer, Colorado and Tennessee transfer, J.T. Shroud, or Iowa high school standout Jackson Daly, who's in his redshirt freshman season. Those two have been getting the bulk of the snaps. In fall camp, this past scrimmage, this past weekend, it looked like Shroud was getting more of the reps with the one. So it looks like the Red Wolves are going to go with kind of the experienced college veteran for the season opener.
0: Hey, hey, Chris, just give me a little perspective on the philosophy for Butch Jones. Because when you look, I mean, this dotted with some Power 5 transfers. You mentioned J.T. Shroud who comes in from Colorado. Uh, Jalen Cunningham, who was an interior offensive lineman at uh, old Miss, you got uh, South Carolina, Syracuse, uh, Northwestern even on this list, and Wendell Davis, the linebacker. Has it been to, I don't know, kind of reach out and be a landing spot to maybe a guy who's not getting the time that he thought he would get at a Power 5? What's What's been the philosophy in roster building for Butch Jones in Jonesboro?
1: That's a big part of it, just going in the portal. Rucker, the South Carolina transfer, is an interesting story because he started his career at Arkansas State – was a freshman All-American before he left to go to South Carolina, came back to Jonesboro, got the waiver. But in terms of roster building in general, that is the the best way I can kind of describe this is Jones has said from the beginning he wanted to build the roster through the high school ranks. So there's a, a big mix of actual high school players, and then he's kind of enhanced or tried to fill some immediate needs by going into the transfer portal. He did that last year with great effect with, uh, Kavon Bennett, the, the son of you know NFL great Cornelius Bennett. He was on the Red Wolves roster for a couple of years. It has worked to some degree. Now, this time around, the biggest notice I've seen for entering the portal is beefing up the offensive line. You mentioned Jalen Cunningham. He also added his Ole Miss teammate, Tobias Braun. So A-State has... 12 of their 14 linemen are over 300 pounds, which was a far cry from that a couple years ago Hmm. when the Red Wolves under Blake Anderson were more of a spread offense team. Butch Jones has kind of morphed the Red Wolves in trying to be more like, well, the modern Sun Belt now, it's all ball control, it's all line of scrimmage. Hmm. That's fun.
0: That's all right. I like to see that they're beefing up a bit. Uh, Chris Hutchison is our guest, covers Arkansas State. Uh, as well as all the high schools, too. man. I was, I was watching an interview. My like, gosh, you guys got a lot of high school football to try to keep tabs on. Uh, 2011, 2012, 2013, one wild stretch for this program, right? A year of Hugh Freeze, a year of Gus Malzahn, a year of Brian Harson, All of them go on to major jobs, Ole Miss, Auburn, and, of course, Boise State. How important was it or, or was it? To get someone like Blake Anderson in there to try to stabilize things for a little bit, because he stayed for a long time. It took uh, at least in his eyes a big time offer in Utah State to get him to go, but he was there for seven
1: seasons, eight seasons. Was that an important stretch? I think so. For in terms of stabilizing the program, so it was kind of glass half full, glass half empty situation. Mm-hmm. Glass half full. He he maintained some of the Red Wolf success, won a couple Sun Belt championships. But the back end really didn't end the way anybody in Jonesboro wanted it to end. You know, things you know going on, you know, personal life right. and on the field where, where the team took, a, team took a dip. And so when Butch Jones took over, what folks did not realize was Red Wolves are coming off of a losing season. You had so much flux with the roster to begin with. And then, let's just be quite honest, there wasn't a lot of recruiting on the offensive line. So that was the big immediate need when Butch Jones showed up, was beefing up the offensive line, just not just to have bodies there to play, but just to have depth across the board. And so it was a glass half full, glass half empty. Blake Anderson did a, a lot of good things at Arkansas State. A, an interesting side effect was mentioning playing – the Sooners. Mm-hmm. He kind of developed a sort of recruiting pipeline into the state of Oklahoma. One okay. of the interesting things he did was, no, I'm sure we'll touch on this later. There are several. There's three Oklahoma Oklahoma natives on the 2023 Red Wolves roster. One that's going to get a whole lot of playing time. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment. But it was kind of a glass half empty, glass half full situation where, but where Blake maintained some of that success, but then it kind of it kind of nosedived there at the end.
0: Yeah, and again, I maybe I look at this from the perspective of having covered a college basketball team in the early two thousand that Brad badly, badly, badly wanted a head coach to stay. And then when he did, it didn't necessarily work out so well. That turnover, it's it's frustrating to some, but in the same vein, it's I think in the transfer portal era it's fine. Now, I'm not saying that Butch Jones, after what, two and ten in a losing season last year, can't wait to get out of there. But I I don't think I have a problem like maybe I did 20 years ago with, the uh, I hate to use the term stepping stone, Chris, but with your program being a place that does develop coaches for the next big-time program.
1: It has been. And what's been interesting for this whole time, which Jones has been here, he's been very patient about this build, understanding what he had to deal with roster-wise, what he got here, and then trying to legitimately build the roster back up where – He's had different current quarterbacks for a little bit of the time. You had Lane Hatcher, James Blackman, who was at Florida State, who's now kind of pinging around NFL training camp and now looking for a quarterback now. But there's been a lot of roster turnover these last couple of years, and so the, the big priority for Butch Jones was stabilizing it. And then also on top of that, you know, the Red Wolves had a new athletic director come in within the last year or two, Jeff Purinted, who worked with Butch Jones when they were both at Alabama. So – Stability is kind of a big, kind of, I think a big theme of not just this year, but what I've kind of noticed these last six months of having two guys there kind of aligned and everything, because like you'll read outlets here and there saying Butch Jones is on the hot seat, and I don't believe that whatsoever, just because both folks knew, and a lot of the fan base knew, what Butch inherited when he got here, and so we think the kind of understanding was there. This is going to be a three- to four-year bill, to say the least.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned a lot of Oklahoma ties. I want to get to those three players in a bit. But even in the administrative side, right, Kelly Danfus was the president at Arkansas State after spending some time at Oklahoma. He then moved on and took the job at, what, Texas State? Where I think he's the president now. There's yeah. been a couple of transfers that have played really well for Arkansas State. Well, we had a quarterback, had a wide receiver who battled some injuries, but – you mentioned that that pipeline; it goes just beyond Blake Anderson coming in here and getting some guys. There's a lot of ties between OU and, and Arkansas State in the most unique ways, including Justice Hansen.
1: Absolutely, Justice Hansen. I had a chance to cover him when he when he you know arrived to Jonesboro after you know spending time at OU. Had, had a fantastic career with the Red Wolves. I mean, he'll he'll go in the Hall of Honor eventually. I mean, he he's still top five in oh, wow. just about every. He's, about, he's still top five in just about every passing record you can think of in A state history. He definitely put up some numbers here. And what's kind of interesting, one of his targets, one of his final years in Jonesboro is on the roster now in Jeff Foreman entering his fifth year with the Red Wolves out of Oklahoma City who had a you know decorated high school career. And he's put up some solid numbers here with the Red Wolves. He's had back-to-back, you know, over 30 reception seasons. You know, he's had at least three or four receiving touchdowns the last couple seasons. And in this offense, he's going to be the number one or number two wide receiver just kind of entering the season. I think it's going to be Corey Rucker, the South Carolina transfer, who's going to kind of be the one. And then I definitely see Jeff Foreman as that number two wide receiver in the the A-State wide receiver kind of rotation, so to speak.
0: Oh, wow. So we'll get the uh, former – what, Dell City product, Jeff Foreman getting an opportunity. How about the Kansas transfer, Gavin Potter, and where you see, I don't know, uh, a role potentially for Austin Woods as well?
1: Uh, Austin Woods is definitely – it's a really deep offensive line. So I can kind of see Woods kind of being in that two rotation. He's definitely gotten a lot of snaps. He's definitely improved as fall camp has come along. And then Potter, an interesting story, you know, coming in from Kansas, participated in spring practice – I'll be stunned if he's not in kind of that starting linebacker rotation there for that season opener. And so, you know, all three Oklahoma guys have certainly made on the current roster have certainly, you know, made an impact and are definitely going to be part of the Red Wolf story in 2023.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's get down to a couple of uh, nuts and bolts things here. We know the spread is is massive for this game. Chris, what, what kind of game do you think we're going to get? Uh, obviously, Belt's always fun, and there's great respect. Oklahoma's had incredible success in the non-conference. Do you see an Arkansas State team that can come in here and, and put uh, a little bit of fear into the Sooners?
1: I think so, and uh, the reason I'm going to say that is they had a similar se- situation last season. A-State went to o- Ohio State the first month of the season, massive underdogs. I want to say the point spread was maybe 34 or 35, and they covered it. pretty. They covered it. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, the Buckeyes pulled away in the second half, but you kind of saw glimpses there of, you know, A-State pulling things out of the playbook. We did not really see much of the, the rest of the season. So do not be surprised if you see a little a few more jet sweeps than normal out of the Red Wolves. And we kind of noticed that against Ohio State. And I've kind of seen that similar situation here because you and I know Week one is usually the hardest week to prepare for an opponent because you have an idea what you're going to see, but then until you actually see them for a series or two, you really don't know what you're going to see on either sideline. So I can I can see A-State you know being competitive in this game, but what I want to see is, has there been improvement in the depth? Obviously, it's a whole lot different challenge going up against a, a, a Power 5 brand name like Oklahoma, so the Sooner's going to have the depth there. I'm just wondering how much improvement have we seen at an A-State, especially offensively where the the offense struggled the tail end of last season, especially in the passing game and things like that. So I want to kind of see little things like that. Like, can you see, like, market improvement in certain areas for the Red Wolves?
0: Mm. Hey, a couple more and I'll I'll get you out of here, Chris. I don't know in the the craziness of your schedule how much you've been able to dive into Oklahoma yet, but uh, what's kind of been your perspective on Brent Venables and – how he's handled things, and obviously the challenge that Arkansas State faces. What have you seen from Oklahoma in some of your early prep that you that
1: you like? Returning Dylan Gabriel is big. Granted, he he was banged up, but if you return a quarterback for a second year with the second scheme, I'm like that's gonna that's gonna be massive for the Sooners moving forward. And just what I've been fascinated about one when Brent Venables took the job was you know Oklahoma's had an interesting history of guys that have not been previous head coaches before taking the OU job and having massive success and so Venables you know Venables continuing that trend there but then you know how last year unfolded I was stunned cuz just like I'm sure a whole lot of folks in Norman were stunned how last season unfolded I don't think anybody saw that coming so I'll be stunned if 2023 is anything like 2022. I believe Oklahoma has a legitimate chance to win the Big 12. Just as, Granted, the Big 12 is as wide open as massive as it ever will be, but I, I definitely believe the Sooners will be a conference title contender.
0: Love it. One final thing before we let you get out of here. Uh, Arkansas State has success if. What, what do you need to see happen for the Red Wolves to have success in 12 days against the Sooners?
1: Run. The football. A-State the last couple years has been not just one of the worst teams in the Sun Belt. They've been one of the worst teams in FBS in terms of running the football. They were bottom five in FBS in rushing offense last year. Where it got to the point where A-State was almost like an air raid sort of team where they just ended up throwing the ball every single down. So one of the big things the Red Wolves have worked on this off season is just building more depth in that running back room. You have Ohio State transfer Brian Snead, I think is gonna be the number one running back. He wasn't in the the scrimmages past Saturday. I think he was just a little banged up, but he should be okay. But then you add in a guy like Zach Wallace, who was a borderline FCS All American at UC Martin. He's you know, he came to the Red Wolves out of the portal, and then a couple other guys, you know, in that rotation. I just wanna see if A State has success running the football. They will they'll have they'll see some success not just against Oklahoma but just for the entire season. That has been a a, a big a big challenge for the Red Wolves the last couple of seasons has been running the football under Butch Jones and so now I'm wondering with an improved offensive line and more depth in the running back room are we gonna kind of see more more maybe hundred yard running rushing games or rece- running backs getting close to thousand yards.
0: Okay, stuff, Chris. This has been awesome, man. In fact, I sent my grateful text to you while you were making your point, so I apologize. Uh, listen, anything, <laughs> anything you need before the game, you let us know. Great perspective. We appreciate it. And everyone, go follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Hudgison. We'll talk to you soon, man.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to add Norman to my my bucket list of college football. I'm, I'm excited to make the trip in a few days. It's going to
0: be a great weekend, man. We can't wait either. Have a good one. Thank uh, Thank you. H-U-D-G-I-S-O-N. All right, that's one of those that I feel pretty good about. What you didn't have anything you wanted to ask about the Red Wolves? Uh he he covered a state for us pretty good. Okay. I kept looking, and it was like you were digging for something. Then I'm like, yeah, was, this guy's too good. He's got too much information. There's sometimes you'll bring someone on from one of those early season games, and it's yeah, you know, we're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like a breakdown. He knew about the Oklahoma guys and. Insight, analysis, and perspective. All they the are uh, bigger up front. I forgot about that run they had as, at, at coaches where it – I mean, it, it's even wild to think today that their head coach is Butch Jones. Right. Who had the Sooners absolutely flummoxed for, what, three quarters back in 2015? What a – We talk about coaches whose star burned out as head coaches. Mm-hmm. Boy, Butch Jones is one of those, right? I think what what the worst moment for him was, Our guys are champions of life? You forget, Butch Jones was guy number two at Cincinnati because it went Brian Kelly, Butch Jones. Kelly went Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Jones goes Cincinnati, Tennessee, and actually won nine games for him a couple years in a row. And then was out after a really, really bad fourth, 6 season. And what that fourth
2: quarter and overtime meant for oh OU. Oh, my gosh. That season and beyond, I, it, everything sort of started there.
0: It's a great point. That's a great point. Because I, Josh Helmer, am old enough to remember when during that OU-Tennessee game – what was the constant sideline shot? Trevor Knight. Yeah. Constantly. There's Trevor Knight over on the sidelines. Doesn't look like he's warming up. Ronnie Anderson got hurt in that game on a kick return. Covering a kick – or blocking on a kick return. Broke his leg. But Bush Jones was the coach. Turns against the Sooners in 12 days from now. they're down be, for what? 12 days, 37 minutes, and 43 seconds until the 11 a.m. kick in two weeks. All right, we got a break. We got a break. When we come back, gosh, let's get caught up on the text line. Uh, There's a couple of other things from college football, including Georgia naming its starter. And I got all kinds of, you want some quarterback conversations? We got them for you coming up next, right here on the ref. Sorry, I didn't know we were back yet. I was looking at your YouTube and not the actual wave cart. Give a little radio terms here for you. you. has. I apologize because I don't get to keep tabs on topics as much as I should here on the ref. Has Steelman or Tyler McComas talked about the almost out of left field hype of Oklahoma from... Noted Sooner hater, Greg McElroy? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, have they? Okay. Well, if they have, then I won't pretend like I found something this weekend that blew me away. Yeah, I heard this on Tyler's show. But in – let's just do it. We got some time here, right? Sure. Okay. In looking for, oh, the always necessary content, I came across one of my favorite dudes, Andy Staples, and his On 3 podcast from last week, and he was talking with one Greg McElroy. And for those who don't know, Greg McElroy, I think everybody knows he's a former Alabama quarterback, but kind of a – I don't know if the term would be antagonist, but it always seems as if there's, there's somewhat of a little bit of a subtle shot that he seems to take at Oklahoma every now and then, but this was, and like I said, if, if y'all have talked about this and if this has been a thing that's been conversed upon on these here radio airwaves, I apologize for being late to the party, but if you don't live and die every second, well, here you go. Now, this is a little lengthy, and we're going to jump in every now and then, but listen to what Greg McElroy has to say about Oklahoma. I, I, think- I guess it would help if I actually had the audio plugged in. Here you go. Early, here's the problem is that early
3: we got sold a bill of goods against Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Nebraska fell off, and we all know what happened with Nebraska, but they come out like gangbusters, and we're like, oh my goodness. Like, (laughs) you know, Brent Venables, nothing's been lost when Lincoln Riley left. Hey, they replaced Caleb Williams at that point. Like, Caleb was doing some good things, but he wasn't like totally lighting the world on fire so we're sitting there and we're thinking oh my goodness like this team's unbelievable and then they play against TCU and it's like oh boy and then Dylan Gabriel gets hurt and then they play against Texas like oh boy (laughs) yeah so I think the highs and the lows of last year made it hurt maybe just a little bit more because it just didn't have the consistency that we've seen i mean name a more consistent program in college football over the last 20 years than oklahoma as far as conference championships one ohio state only one is the only one in the history of college football oklahoma ohio state won oklahoma too but tell me this ohio state had a six and six in there in what 2012. yeah in uh, the 2011 the trestle year yeah, where yeah he 2011 he was or whatever yeah. it was um so i'm all you know i'm all for Oklahoma having high expectations but I do think the fact that Lincoln Riley left there was a void there and there was it was almost like a gunshot to the gut and -hmm. they covered it with a band-aid and that's not gonna that's not and that's not to call Brent Venables a band-aid just there was a hurt there that no one wanted to acknowledge a lot of people said well you know we're actually going to be better because of this and that was that was misguided um but we also kind of glossed over the fact that the turnover that existed on the roster was challenging and I remember talking to Willie Taggart about this when he took over at Florida State after Jimbo Fisher left when you go to Oklahoma as a player yep when you go to Florida State as a player that is a destination that is not a stepping stone place that is as a player you think man Florida State Oklahoma like it doesn't get any better than this I've arrived yeah exactly and then the coach leaves for AM, a place that maybe you don't think or at least hasn't been a destination in a little while and you're sitting there and you're thinking well man what the heck is this place not as good as I think it is and it's not real it's all subconscious but it actually there's a hurt there's a hurt factor that affects the team mm-hmm. and Willie Taggart said the thing that I made the mistake of doing is I didn't heal those wounds from the previous coach departing uh, for the next job. That wouldn't be perceived on the same level as ours. And that, I think, is something that might have happened
0: last year at Oklahoma. They were... I, I want to pause real quick just there for a moment. You buy that? It's a heck of an It's an interesting angle, and I won't lie to you, not one I've thought about too terribly much. But in using Willie Taggart, I don't know if he even healed If he was able to heal those wounds from Jimbo leaving for Texas A&M, that would have made a difference. But you you, putting any stock in that from Greg McElroy? No, I'm not. Okay. Now, uh,
2: I I do put stock into the idea of transitioning, new staff, the language, what you're doing, what you're being asked. All of that is different. Some of the Mm -hmm. personnel that we've talked about, namely Caleb Williams, that that moves on. I put stock into that, but young people are resilient. You know, and they're still proud to be at Oklahoma. So I don't think that there was this lingering hurt for Oklahoma that, uh, that got them last year. I think more than anything for me, Plank, it was, you know, really the year before you were in a bunch of close games and you won them. And
0: then one year later, you didn't. You want the rest of this? Sure. Yeah, let's hear what else. Okay, I clipped out a little bit there because there was – there was a lot going deep on that, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I buy it or not. I understand that hurt of you left us for a job that is a lateral move. I get it, L.A. sunsets and all the shopping, but USC has not been the program that Oklahoma has been consistently maybe period, right? Uh, in, in defense of Willie Taggart's point, you know, A&M has a lot more money, but Florida State was winning national championships when A&M was hanging banners for tying for a division championship, right? Or clinching a division and playing in a Big 12 championship game. So here's when we actually got to the, I guess you would say the, the team side of this. Here's what Greg McElroy said on, oh gosh, I hope I get the right one here. On Oklahoma playing better and what it's going to take and what would really lead to improvement in 23. What they've done
3: is done a really strong job of, of assessing their weaknesses, getting deeper at the spots they need to get deeper at, reinforcing the line of scrimmage on the defensive side, getting an impact player from Indiana and Sam McCullough that might be able to, I don't necessarily know if he'll take over games, but that ceiling exists. Right, uh, And now you have another year in the system in which Dylan Gabriel and company offensively are going to feel a little more comfortable. So I think Oklahoma is a sleeping problem. I'm not going to call them a giant yet right. because I think they're a sleeping problem in the Big 12 because nobody's talking about them. There's no pressure on Oklahoma this year. Meanwhile, there is internally. Meanwhile, their biggest rival on the other side, all the burden.
0: So but a quick jump in here. I'm glad that he couched that. Because if you're going to act like there's not internal pressure to get dubs and that Oklahoma's just kicking its feet up and is like, oh, we're good. They got pressure to keep this recruiting class together, Josh. They got pressure to keep the fan base and the donors engaged. They got pressure to keep the athletic director believing this was the right move. There is a lot of pressure within that building, man. But I'm glad he couched that because nationally, I don't think people really see that. There's more of that Colin Coward of, oh, they're going to the SEC, they're going to disappear mindset for some people.
2: Or or even those that are optimistic about long-term with Brent Venables mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, they're looking at it and saying, ah, you know, they could win nine games. You know, they're, they're not looking at Oklahoma, for the most part, as Oklahoma's about to go win the Big 12. So th- well, there is truth to that.
3: All the pressure. Is Texas back? If they go out and play Alabama and lose by 21, oh, my goodness, the Boo Birds will be out in Austin, Texas. So – I think Oklahoma's in a really good position to surprise people this year because there's expectations and there's acknowledgement of the improved roster. But then again, if they go eight and four, no one's going to be calling for their coach to be run out of town or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> well, well, so let's talk about Texas because
0: there you go.
2: So one, one of the comments that jumped out from the beginning,
0: by that's it's Greg McElroy on the, Andy Staples on three podcasts from last week.
2: I don't think that Oklahoma fans were convinced they were actually going to be better as soon as last season. Some maybe felt that way, but generally speaking, I think when those comments were made, it was Brent Venables is going to long-term get this defense to a better place than it has historically been the last decade or so. So I would I would uh, disagree with that point a okay. little bit.
0: <laughs> Two funny texts that just hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 580 Nate writes, A&M's record healed Florida State's fans' wounds. Utah and Tulane healed Sooner fans' wounds. Players don't care as much.
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly right.
0: 918 writes, similar. However, Florida State, and know you were both on a downward trajectory under their former coaches. In other words, Florida State was struggling a bit over, under Jimbo Fisher, and Oklahoma was a top – five team preseason that ended up playing in the Alamo Bowl that year mm-hmm. in the last year under Riley
2: and had a bunch of other games that let's call it what it was <sighs> you know could have gone
0: the other direction. I was very nervous in the fourth quarter. Nails were being bit so it's I, I hadn't thought of that because I'm more like he was like heal hey go play football but Willie Taggart told it to him that's a heck of an excuse. But I do think 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds are much more resilient than, say, you know, 25 to 54 demographic for fans. Well,
2: and here's the deal. If you're really hurt, guess what? In today's day and
0: age, you're not sticking around. You're going in the portal. Hey, one what, what other thing, too, on that. Just, just real quick, and not to nitpick a noted hater actually seeming to build up Oklahoma. <laughs> right. Sorry, Greg. Sorry, Greg. And I love you. And he, and he said he'd come on with us, so – but it's almost as if everything positive was couched with, yeah, but it's all because everyone's so high on Texas. I'm like, well, maybe for you all nationally, but there's no lower expectations within the Sooner Nation. No. And within that building. If it is eight and 8-4 and those four losses look anything like the OU-Texas game last year, i will get real steamy around here. Absolutely it would. But how about Greg McElroy saying something nice about OU, kind (laughs) of? Saying something nice that probably nobody agrees with. Yeah, I know, right? Poor Greg. Even when he says something good, we're like, what? What do you mean by that? (laughs) Uh, 405-651-3439. That's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Riverwind Casino call-in line. If you want to react to that, let's open it up on a Monday. 405-329-9000. Josh and I are a part of the... Gridiron giveaway today, two to three. Are you excited? I'm pumped. I can't wait. We'll be at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Edmond. That's in Edmond, so not the I-35 location in Moore. The I-35 location in Edmond, and again, the gist: really cool. We're giving away Power Five college football programs. If your team makes the four team playoff, you win massive prizes. We uh, we
2: should say too. Go ahead. September fifteenth, Tulsa day. By the way, somebody was asking about oh, Tulsa yeah, right. and. Anyways, uh, the boss man checked in. September 15th, we've got uh, Tulsa Day coming up. So, we have not forgotten about you.
0: So, that'll be the Friday before OU Tulsa. Did you just say that? That's uh, – I did not, but thank okay. you. Okay. You scared me for a moment because you looked at me. I'm like, did I just literally say something you just said? Well, it wouldn't be it's the first happened. time on this day. It's happened before. Or, you know. <laughs> All right, quick break. It's Plank Show on the ref. Which Which shirt are you going to go with today, Josh? Are you going to go with the – Maroon or the pink? Because we can't wear a matching shirt, sh- so I'm going to go the opposite.
2: Which would you like to wear, and I will no, wear the opposite. No. I was actually planning on wearing this, but... Oh, that looks cool, yeah. Oh, that's... So I guess I guess I could be in trouble if I'm not wearing one of the t-shirts, though, huh? No, this I'm going to wear the pink one.
0: I'm going to wear the pink one today. Ooh. I think that's cool. Yeah, it, the it, F it Army salutes Mrs. V. Um, Proceeds of the t-shirt sales goes towards raising money for breast cancer, breast cancer awareness, treatment, and cure. You can find them at kref.com, and we'll be modeling them for you today. Do you have high school after we're done, or are you good tonight?
2: I do, yeah. So I've, I've got uh, softball coming up this evening here in Norman, Norman Westmore.
0: So you basically go 9 to noon, quick lunch, 2 to 3 at Buffalo Wild Wings. Go set up, broadcast,
2: uh, Locked On soon as Live tonight.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what time are you guys taping Locked On Live?
2: Well, it's supposed to happen at 9, but uh, that could get I'm, – I'm guessing that's not going to happen right at 9.
0: Today is National Senior Citizens Day, and there is no way I'm going to make it to 9 o'clock tonight. When is, I uh, watch in the morning. When's National Podcasters Day? Do, do we have that? Oh, gosh, my goodness. Can you imagine all the podcasters that are going to have pictures of them sitting in front of their microphone? And Thanks for all the downloads. National Radio Day. I wanted to throw my microphone. You know what we need? We need National Aggregators Day. So all of the ah, then I could be celebrated. <laughs> I I like how you support aggregation. It just brings me so much joy. I, I well, hey, we got to make a living somehow. Let's see right? what is what is today's? Oh, they took the calendar but down. But you know what's funny about August it is 21st. like everybody
2: everybody likes to trash aggregators, and literally everything we do on this program is aggregation. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. <laughs> it's what keeps the media cycle going. Oh my gosh, there is a ton of there is a ton of national days today, Josh Helmer. Were you aware of this? We've got we're celebrating so many things. We've run out of days Hold for on. our
2: national day celebrations. Hold on.
0: This You know what? It used to be easy to peruse the internet. Now everything has to be um, everything has to be a slideshow. So it's like click on this. Here is a slideshow for you to show you the five different ways that are signs you are dying.
2: Extra clicks when uh, you click those. Is that what it is? Oh,
0: yeah, that's another page view. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to brag about what day it was, and all of a sudden I had to click through 800 different pages for it. That's 10 more page views. I should have just stuck to the original plan of getting to the Meyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or trying to cultivate some of your calls at 405-329-9000. Okay, so today is August 21st. Which means it is, oh, International Day of Remembrance and Tribute to Victims of Terrorism Day. It is National Senior Citizens Day. It is Brazilian Blowout Day. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't think I want (laughs) to know. Is
2: that okay to
0: say on air? No, it's like hair. It's like they're, they're showing, I would assume the picture shows women blow drying their hair. Is it a type of hair blow dryer? I need. Where is the female members of the Ref Army to save me on this one before I get canceled? It's also National Spumani Day, which is a type of of ice cream. It's a delicious treat from Italy. Is it uh, cousins with the gelato? Let's see here. I don't think so. It looks like it's a little bit more of a need to dig your spoon into it. Treat outside of gelato just. Basically being like fancy yogurt. Gelato's pretty good. I'm not going to complain. All right, to the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. Anyway, celebrate however you deem. Brazilian blowout, then. From the 7-1-2, it's simple, guys. The Sooners lost half a roster, including a Heisman Trophy winner. Those close games are covered up with Caleb. And the leftovers were holdovers from the failed Speed D this year. Won't look anything like last year. In a lot of ways, I think that's what Greg McElroy was saying, right? Talking about Deshaun McCullough being a part of this, talking about, you know, filling holes and getting depth where they needed it. That's what he wanted to say. Instead, it was about, hey, you know, they got their feelers hurt. And so then they were no good. That's exactly what it sounded like. Wait, hold on, Greg. I appreciate you're trying to be nice about Oklahoma, but it seems as if you're saying that yeah, they were they were too upset over Lincoln leaving, and they uh, they're gonna be good because everyone expects things from Texas and no one expects anything from Oklahoma.
2: Well, Andy, let
0: me ask you this: Have you ever been in love? It's, you know, when someone leaves you and they leave you for someone that's uglier. Here's one from the two one four. Tebow, oh, I keep forgetting you guys called Lincoln Tebow. Tebow did a Jimbo in Skip Town right before they were exposed and signed a big new deal before the full exposure. And they are nothing more than a good offensive coordinator and a bust as a head coach, as Jimbo is showing at AM. Well, let's give them some time. I mean, let's, let's see what happens. That'll be if. If USC stumbles down the stretch, say they go three and three, or even two and four, it's gonna be a fascinating narrative coming out of there, isn't it? I think National it was, Football League. If if there Josh, if there is positivity that comes out of it, then look out. I mean, we'll be hearing how brilliant Lincoln is because he's sharing a scholarship between a kicker and a punter. But I don't know I man that is a tough stretch for USC to wrap things up. Well, and you
2: can't not go to the college football playoff with Caleb Williams as your quarterback. Are, are you kidding me? If
0: you go 3 years and you don't get in
2: once, would be not Very good well. at all. All right, quick
0: break. Plank show rolls on. Hour 2 brought to you by Allison Insurance. Bob and Robert Allison have you covered. Allisoninsurance.com 405-745-2968. We well, guys are tuned in from everywhere today. Sooner finish is in Raleigh normally, but in Madrid today. Ah, very cool. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine being on vacation in Madrid and being like, hold on, babe, I'm going to go listen to sports radio. Oh, I I would get m- destroyed. You, you and me both. It would be – I'd be in trouble the rest of the vacation. Are you kidding me? UConn Al has checked in from Harper's Ferry, which if I'm not – mistaken is in West Virginia and which really threw me for a loop because we have a Yukon Al that listens to morning men. And I was like, there is no way that he has tuned in to us this afternoon. Uh, thanks y'all. Thanks for finding the ref right here on the home of Sooner fans. All right. Um, top five stories today the day coming up. I wanted to talk a little bit about the quarterback battles. We still have ongoing battles in Columbus and in Tuscaloosa. Well, we got an answer in Athens, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it because it's going to blow your mind how just nonchalantly Kirby Smart announces his starting quarterback. Like, he goes with a like a four-minute opening statement, really cool stuff. I mean, talking about, hey, this these things matter to our kids. I'm going to be there and spend some time with the special spectators. And it's really good. He gets asked about special teams, and then someone's like, hey, you know – uh, How weird has it been not having a returning start? How different is this? Well, you know, it's different because, well, I mean, Carson Becks are starting quarterback, but it's been. Wait, what? (laughs) Whoa. The bombshell. God, it came out of nowhere. So we got that for you coming up in the top five stories of the day. (laughs) Sooner finish. I don't think it has anything to do with you being single. Well, that's fantastic. Oh, Eric in the OC battling Hurricane Hillary. That's what I did this weekend, Josh. Thank you. Thank you, Eric and the OC. I spent my time on the Weather Channel watching some guy in Rancho Cucamonga where it was beautiful. It's, like, gorgeous behind him, but yet he's wearing all of his weather gear. I'm like, dude, just put it on when it starts raining. It's like, as you can see behind me, it is gorgeous right now. It's like, yes. I like the picture of Dodger Stadium, which is up on a hill, in case uh-huh. you didn't know. it's The parking lot is wet. That's it. The the parking lot is wet. People are like, oh my gosh! I'm Look like it's, out. it's wet concrete. And then I got to be honest with you. I, I, hey, much love. Not trying to minimize it, but they're like, they're they have this graphic up. It's like winds at sixty miles an hour. I'm like, well, that's like a April afternoon here no in Oklahoma, deal. man. Boo hoo, buckaroo. Go charge up your electric car. Go shopping, whatever. Sixty mile an hour winds. All right, top five stories today. Next.